welcome to Dice Changers, a podcast where we cover topics related to Dungeons and Dragons in the greater TTRPG space. I'm your host, Aaron, and today we're joined by cosplayer, streamer, and innkeeper of the Welcome In, Parker Bliss. Thank you so much for coming on my show, Parker. Thank you for having me. I wasn't ready for your for your podcast voice. I'm gonna be real honest. <laughs> I was like, we were just talking, and I was like, hello? Aaron? It's it's I'm gonna be honest, it's a hundred percent an involuntary flex of like I, I get so nervous coming into these podcast episodes. It's so fair, but I was just like, hello? Uh, <laughs> uh hi, I'm Parker Bliss. As as said, I am a cosplayer, I'm a streamer, uh, I'm a vocalist. You can find me all over the internet and on Patreon at Parker Bliss, but most importantly, all of my organized TTRPG content is over on the Welcome In, where I am one of the innkeepers with two of my very, very best friends. So that is that is me. We're big fans of the Welcome In and everything you guys do over here on the show, and I was so excited when you agreed to come on because we're here to talk about something that's actually like very near and dear to your heart yeah. uh, when it comes to character building. Can you kind of tell us about what the topic we're talking about today is? Sure. Uh, so as a cosplayer and just kind of how I think uh, through characters, we're actually going to be talking about character aesthetics a little bit, which is something that I have a lot of people ask me about or I like focus very heavily on. Um, if anybody has ever seen any character that I play, they have like a very specific like aesthetic that goes with them and how I flavor spells and kind of we're going to talk about the process of how to get to that point so how you flavor a character where that inspiration might start and that sort of thing well with the the first bit of that that you were talking about of where that inspiration starts from I was actually surprised when we were talking about this in the pre-show yeah. you pull that inspiration from so many different places when going into characters yeah I I love uh I love taking inspiration from things I have you know like I have the thing that I can make any any amount of characters on D&D Beyond, uh, and I use it quite a bit. Um, I make a lot of original characters in my in my cosplay and everything as well, and like I am a writer, and so I do like character excerpts. But I have taken inspiration from like I've done um, uh, dice set characters that I. I've done like dice set characters on uh, my streams before. I've based characters off of song lyrics. I've based characters off of poems. Or I uh, I have a tiefling that I have made completely in my mind from a pair of resin cast storyteller cosplay horns that I bought because I was just like these are so pretty. I have to make a character off of them. Um, I have another a tiefling that I've I really loved resin horns for like a hot second. I have a tiefling that I made that was like a galaxy tiefling, um, like a space themed sort of thing, just because I love the galaxy horns so i i just will if i like it enough and i hyper fixate on it enough it'll probably become a character so these character inspirations can really come from anything yeah. and it seems like you have some very specific characters what do you think just think about it because you've already talked about like some uh resin horns and mm -hmm. some dice and things like that what do you think is kind of your go-to of like i kind of feel like building a character and i want inspiration do you go to your dice first do you go to your cosplay bits first what's kind of your go-to it depends on what i'm doing so if i'm doing like a long-form campaign i will think about it pretty pretty heavily and or I will have a character that has been in the back of my mind forever based off of something so like Demi uh Demi Waters that I play on Conundrum Company over on the Welcome In uh she has had a huge evolution from the character that she was originally that became a character I cosplayed to what she became in the show um and so it really it really just depends um I think so for instance, we do a, a show on The Welcome In called Cosplay Ground, and I've been on quite a few of those because it is my show that I head up, and whenever somebody can't make it or drops, it ends up being me who picks it up. The amount of times that I have just walked to my cosplay closet and been like, okay, what do I feel like wearing today, and who would wear it? Uh, like, it's, it's a thing that I do, and so I've made characters uh, based off of literally just like a costume piece in those situations, or I think like... On TikTok, there's a lot of really fun like tags that people do with storylines. So that helps me because I go, okay, I want to do this thing. What would fit there? And I really, really enjoy that. So for like, for example, it could be as simple as, oh, there's a new like, uh, let's say like uh, light academia cosplay TikTok mm -hmm. going around. It's like, all right, so yellow scarf, blue wig. Who is this character? Yeah, I've done that before. And I've also had a really fun experience with I'll do it either on my Instagram story or over on my Patreon where I'll be like, OK, guys, I want to do a thing. Here's four wig colors. Help me pick. Here's this. Help me pick. Here's this. And then I'll look at the character I put together and I'll go, OK, what is she? Like, who is she? What does she do? Like, what based on the things that she is wearing or the color she has chosen for her hair or if she couldn't choose that color, what is it? Like, I really enjoy just kind of being like, okay, here's a character. What does that mean? 
And I feel like just these objects that you're pulling from, there are mm-hmm. so many little nuances that you can pull off of them to inform a character because you're talking about like mm-hmm. wigs and things like that. Yeah. It can be something as simple as like the style of the wig, right? Like if somebody has like a long curly wig or a short bob wig, those are completely oh, yeah. different characters, even if they're the same color. Oh, for sure. I have, um, I made a Monster Hunter character uh, named Jamie Fletcher who has this like huge mane of curly hair and it's so funny because I was like I love that aesthetic I love how cute the hair is I always have her wearing a hood or her hair is like fully pulled up on the back of her head because I immediately like I do live weapons stuff with medieval reenactment and I was like who wants to pull a bow or like shoot a crossbow and get their hair tangled in it like oh. no one wants that and so like a lot of the times like if I'm making a character I'm like okay like she would have I remember I made um, for one of the cosplay grounds, I made a very cute little like princess barbarian. Um, and I was like, OK, I want her to have like long princess hair. I was like, but I don't want her to constantly have to deal with her having hair in her face if she's fighting. So I ended up giving her like braids. I ended up making like very pretty Ooh, braids and pulling braids. her. Yeah, like warrior braids. And so even down to that aspect of a character like it's very very interesting okay okay so we have this idea of we're going to find something whether it's like a set of dice that the colors inform things a cosplay Mm -hmm. piece a wig things like that and we get our inspiration how does that pull into actually building a character so you start with these like little bits but how does that become a full-fledged idea of a character yeah that's a really good question um so i guess Let's go with Demi, because Demi's a very easy one to reference. She's had 80-odd episodes by the time I'm talking to you uh, that she's been in, so 80 sessions. She's very uh, well-developed, I'd like to think. Um, The process for Demi actually came because I had just discovered Ganassi. It was like way before we ever, like Demi was ever a full thing. She was originally like a siren character that I thought would be very, very fun and had a very different personality. And when I started looking at Ganassi, I was like, oh, like blue. And then I started looking at like uh, their hair is constantly moving. And I was like, oh, how cool would it be if like this water Ganassi was like a bard because I looked into Marids and Marids like are known for being performers and having these like very big egos. And I was like, oh, like what if I made her a bard? And I was like, okay, so like blue bard hair constantly moving. And my brain was like, oh, I would love if her hair helped show her mood. Like it, it like was kind of her tell on like, so she's this wonderful performer, really great at like lying and performing and like, and like word play and then if she gets nervous or embarrassed or very angry ice starts to just like form and creep up the her hair and uh i thought that was a very different take to it because a lot of people when they do water ganassi are like oh like it's very like it whips and it whatever and i was like i'm giving her these like curly waves of hair and i was like but i love the idea of like when you get nervous or when you get angry that like pause that you have that like instinct to just be like so sharp and I loved the idea of just like ice like just forming and crawling up her hair and that aesthetic started from the very first episode uh, and has like continued to be very cool and I loved uh, like obviously I have a very wonderful uh, DM Josh the governor so wonderful helps me helps me work through my characters like nobody's business um and one of the things that i really loved for demi was like oh she wants to like she's an orphan she wants to figure out like where her magic comes from and if it's only because she's a ganasi or because like other things as a bard and so we've been working through a lot of like harmonic things with her and she's got really cool backstory drops that have just happened that i will not spoil here uh that we're still working out but it was really cool because even in these big moments with her I started flavoring her spells to to fit almost that that like um, that tell of hers. And I remember one specific fight. We were in the middle of her arc and we're fighting these pirates on this ship and she's trying to get her family back and she lands on the deck and there's like three people that run at her and she casts armor of Agathis, which I took as one of my lore bard spells. And it just like all this ice, like from her anger, like just encompasses her whole form. And she takes on this thing. She killed, I think two or three people with them hitting her and ice just going from her. And Josh let me flavor it in this wonderful way where it was like her hair literally went out and just stabbed someone. 
You and took like tight. this like cattail floof like thing that everyone is knows is like a tail. Like this is the oh, this is a very like she gets emotional, this hair happens. Mm-hmm. And you've now turned it into this amazing, like almost physical mechanic that's happening now with obviously with the help of your dungeon master. Yes. Because most of these like character aesthetic stuff, you know, you mm-hmm. have to run them through your dungeon master and things Absolutely. like that. But most dungeon masters are gonna say yes. And Absolutely. I love that this like little bit of flavoring that you did, it's like, oh, I want this character to be a little bit different as far back as you said, episode one mm-hmm. turns into one of these narrative points that this character just gets to live. And that's a story you'll probably have for the rest of the time you play D and D. And that's something you're gonna get to tell. So I think that that's really interesting that you can take these little character aesthetics that you're talking about and turn mm-hmm. them into full blown plot points. Yeah, and I I am very specific, and this is just a little bit off of character aesthetics, but I am very specific with my character development as far as even the spells that I will take with my characters. With Demi, I was like, she's a bard. She like one of her things is she doesn't know where her magic comes from. Bard like arts are not something that are taught or talked about or written down like wizards. And so when Josh and I started talking about it, I was like, okay, she's gonna take spells that she realizes that she can do gradually throughout this thing. And so like I had a reason for every one of her spells at the beginning of the campaign as to why she found it. There was a story behind it. Like I didn't have her take Revivify until she saw a cleric do it, even though like as a lore bard, like I had already taken it. Um find familiar uh josh flavored it in this wonderful way because of the mechanics of the spell i took it as my one of my first lore bard like secrets because i loved bims bims is the little blue dragon that she absolutely loves um which just a huge shout out to my dm as well because like it was based off of this little blue dice dragon that i that he and i had painted on a call together uh and he it showed up in campaign i was like oh my gosh that's my little dragon uh and so Obviously, she's a bard, not a wizard. So she had to take Find Familiar. And I was like, could I do that? Like based on like the way the spell thing and Josh flavored it in this wonderful, this wonderful way about how like her magic changed what Bims was. And like it was this huge, beautiful thing about like how their connection between her and this little dragon had like made this magical thing happen. Ugh. So I actually don't think that that is an aside from character aesthetic at all. When it comes to what you're talking about, using uh, your aesthetic to inform the mechanics is actually something that I think is really, really important. And I love that you've kind of easily brought us into this point because I think that's absolutely correct. Picking spells that fit the aesthetic make everything flow so much better and allow the flavor to really exist because you talk about like, oh, uh, Demi only picks up spells that she sees that she can do. Yeah. That's something that you can really pull into any caster character because it's like, oh, if we say we talk about like these tieflings that we pull res- from resin horns. Yeah. If we if we talk about the galaxy resin horns you were talking about earlier, yeah. what what class was this uh, tiefling? Uh, she was a warlock, I think. Okay. Okay. She, I I am actually gonna look because I wrote a whole character sheet for her. So if we want to give me just a second, totally go for it. I will pull her up because I do have a lot of characters. Okay, so I found her. So the galaxy tiefling horns that I have, I have these like blue uh, tiefling horns with these uh, like they've got those like really pretty like um, uh, silver flakes in them and it makes them look very starry. And I was like, oh, this is very cute. Uh, So I wore this little like space sort of inspired outfit and I put this like light purple wig on and I did this like big galaxy makeup across her face and I was like okay like what would be really cool and my brain immediately was like oh like circle of the stars would be really cool for druids and things and then I looked at warlocks and so I made Nox Navani a tiefling celestial warlock and then my brain was like modern campaign celestial is space yes I'm here for this and my brain was just like, this is great. I went full Xenon on her outfit. I was just like, this is so cool. This feels very fun. Um, and so like Celestial Plane would be like like a different galaxy than she lives in. And I just thought it was very, very fun. Literally uh, pulling from like the power of the stars. Yeah. I, I love that. And that's yeah. just a minor aesthetic thing. But you use that to inform exactly what your build is. Because I know that that's something that people have a hard time with is like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to play this character, but I don't know how I want to build them. And you went, okay, well, let's get it back to the base aesthetic. What did we start yeah. with? Galaxy horns. And I think that's awesome. 
I think my brain immediately with her too, I remember I was on stream because I do these like dice inspired like makeup streams where my I like sit with my chat and I'm like, okay, what are we think? What are we doing? And like obviously Circle of the Stars Druid came up and I was like, okay, but like I'm looking at her outfit and I'm looking at these horns and I'm thinking about this warlock and I'm like I don't think she'd be a druid. And I was like, it, it I don't like fit druid. The I was aesthetic. like, yeah. I was like, she was, and of course my brain was like, she's a little more edgy. We're gonna go warlock. <laughs> I was like, I was like, she's just got a little bit of edge. So I, I really enjoy it. So I've made like this absolute ridiculous character, but I love her very dearly. Um, she would fit in like a space campaign probably, but I like her a lot. No, that's absolutely awesome. And I think that you're also taking into a lot of accounts that I think people also struggle with, where it's like, when you are feeling like, oh, well, this is the immediate answer, but that answer doesn't necessarily fit. I like mm-hmm. looking at those alternative uh, aspects. Yeah. One of the things I also really enjoy doing when flavoring character aesthetic, and I, I want to see what your take on this is, is mm-hmm. just straight up reflavoring mechanical abilities that already exist. Yes. I think that's very fun. So here's the thing with that. I have a wonderful dungeon master who helps me figure that out. And I have wonderful friends that DM more than me and know how to do that. I will go to friends and be like, this is the flavor. Here's my feeling. I'll show up with a full Pinterest board and a playlist and be like, I would like this. I do not know how to balance that. But if you could help me with that, please. Um, I am not as good at <laughs> mechanics as I am with like a general big picture. Mm-hmm. So like I'll have like a full character fleshed out with like a character playlist, which is one of my favorite ways to get a handle on my characters. I majored in music. It makes sense. Oh, we can talk about character playlists yeah. all day if you want to jump into that in a second because that's awesome. We can. Uh, so like I'll show up to my friends and be like, okay, if I wanted to do this, what would this be? And I think that's really cool. And I think that it's really fun to like obviously like it is up to the dungeon master's discretion but like if you have a dungeon master that you trust and will like sit down with you and be like okay like here's how we reflavor this and here's how we do this um something that's really like i'm just gonna brag on josh this entire time and he's gonna hate oh listening please to this. do i absolutely so, adore josh so please continue <laughs> he's to, gonna so. hate it but i so something funny happened so i took obviously like i took certain spells for lore bard because i like saw demi like going in that direction with her discovering magic and something funny happened the very first episode of of conundrum company that i ever missed because i had to go somewhere very first one (laughs) i was ever not in josh had control of my character he cast teleport he rolled so badly on his teleport for where they were going that we jumped two months in the future and so then it was a then it was me being like okay okay that happened i have to be I have to play this character next week and I have to think about what she's thinking and how this works for her because she also has keen mind. So she jumped there and immediately was like, Oh, I, I know fucked up. Wrong. Yeah, you like, immediately know that something's wrong. Because like, Mind lets you accurately know like the time, right? Yes. The exact t- oh, the geez. exact time. Which we've made a bit and it's been very fun. I here's the thing with Keen Mind. Do not abuse your dungeon master, but it can be a very fun bit. I I do bits of counting down how much time we have. It's very fun. Uh but essentially, so she gets dropped there. She's like I fucked up. And uh, and then I have to figure out how that character mentally processes it. And Josh was wonderful because we actually ended up working it in a way that like it had to do with like how her magic works and what her origin is. And like I still don't even have all the full like things for it. But it was really cool because Josh let me on one of our level ups talk to him about switching one of my lore bard spells that I had taken because I had taken Steel Wind Strike as like a memorial thing when Salvatore died the first time. Spoilers. I'm sorry. He's fine now. Um, fine. I do love what Salvatore. It's like when he died the first time. When he died that one time. It's fine. Uh, and so, and so he's okay. He's questionably okay. And he, so he's, he's a little skeletal now. He's doing his best. Um, and so. <laughs> When that happened the first time, I had her take that the next level up and it's like a memorial sort of like I watched him do this. I've learned how to do this kind of thing. And I was like, hey, can I switch this out? Like because of um, and we talked about it a little bit, like after the whole teleport time jump, I was like, I would love to have her explore time magic, like Ooh, because she has stuff. done this, like Junomancy, right. Chronomancy, that kind of thing. And so now she has access to temporal shunt. Which is so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's because, awesome. Because it's so cool because it's Demi figuring out like, oh, and I love having Demi have these fun character growth moments where she does something, something happens and she goes, I can do that. Like <laughs> she just and she's like, and it was very fun the first time she did it because she was like, 
I think I took them out of time. Like Which I means think I can I, do that now. Yeah, I can <laughs> yeah. do that. And it's very fun. And like, and Josh has been wonderful about working with Demi on like she has the I took the um Mordenkainen's like um mansion and I made it into Demi's oh, harmonic the hall. Mansion. Nice. Okay. Demi's okay, harmonic okay. hall. And it it resides on what Josh and I have called the harmonic plane, which is a very fun thing that she is exploring. Um and so it's just there's so much cool stuff that you can do. One of the things I really like about that example is you're showing that this character aesthetic that we're talking about of like pulling mm-hmm. small inspirations from things, you've shifted from the original uh, inspiration, which was like the, oh, the blue hair, the ice, the things like that. Mm-hmm. And you've added on to that with things that can happen in the character's story, yeah. informing their mechanics with the flavor and the aesthetic. Because oh, yeah. this is something that can happen at any level, even when you're well into a campaign, oh, which yeah. I really appreciate. She, she didn't do her time magic until above level 10, and she just got temporal shunt and we're level 15 um and so she's like still actively finding things and something cool about like i remember uh level three i think i think we were we were level three pretty and i had made demi into this like i love books and she had this funny bit of like they'd kill a wizard she'd take their spell books because she kept trying to figure out if she could learn magic that way and then about at level three i was like okay do i multi-class into wizard and have her do that or do i stick to bard and have her be like why can't i learn like this and it was a very fun thing to be like i can't learn like this and like when we finally got a wizard in the party she was like here's all these spell books that i took <laughs> that you've been like, collecting the whole campaign <laughs> i collected spell books and i was like Oops. you did the hard part for the wizard i did at one point i remember we went to go and she's like oh i have this and she was gonna sell it to buy something and Salvatore was like, hmm. And she's like, oh, do you want, want this? <laughs> she was like, do you want this? Um, and it was a very fun thing for for them to do. Small aside, when you made mm-hmm. that noise, I can very much just imagine Sean making that exact noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Sean is a wonderful little loot gremlin and I love him. <laughs> yeah. It was very fun because uh, Sean plays Salvatore so, so splendidly. And I believe what he said was like, well, it's your choice. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare tell you what to do with it. And she's like, just take the damn book. She's like, just, so just good. take it. It's listen, I love, I love uh the people that I get to play with on Conundrum Company. I'm very blessed. They're all very great people. And some they of them are. are future guests on Ooh. the uh, on upcoming episodes. In fact, Ooh. actually, uh another small aside, Adam, oh, another one of your cast members, was one of the mm-hmm. ones who helped me do a test episode, which should be up on the Patreon at some point when I finish <gasps> oh, editing good. it. Good. But we talk about uh, different character aesthetics and something we touched on earlier, and I feel like mm-hmm. you're going to be very excited to talk about it. So I want to get back into that category. Uh, we talked about character playlists oh. and pulling from songs and yep. things like that. And uh, we have gotten to play in a small little mini campaign together mm-hmm. where playlists were a big deal in that campaign. They were. Um, so do you kind of want to take the lead on talking about like character playlists and things like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. So I'll do a little tiny, uh, little tiny plug. All these characters that I talk about, they have playlists and I post them on the page like tier of my Patreon. That's like literally what my uh, what my $3 tier on Patreon is for because I had people be like, no, I want the playlist. And I was like, okay, here, like take it. Um, I, I really love making character playlists. I think they can in- influence a character, like the understanding of a character, even like, so I've been hyper fixating on Dragon Age again. It's my favorite video game. And I started talking to friends about like uh, Dragon Age TTRPG and like if we were going to do it and things. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to make this character. And I was like, okay, now I'm going to make a playlist to help me define this character because I have a basic idea, but I want to know more about them. And I think playlists can be really, really fun. And they can also be done in a bunch of different ways. Demi's playlist is chronological. Uh, so... Um, I've posted that like in the in the Twee uh, subscriber server before, but Demi's playlist literally gives everybody insight into her past, and then you can see where she meets the party, and you can see every big event happen to them along the way because she associates it with a song. Demi's playlist is also a little different because it keeps to the fantasy setting as much as humanly possible because I also wanted it to be songs that she would sing, uh, and so I think that is very very fun. Um, the, the the game that we played together is very funny because it was a the yearbook club was a modern setting it was Becca, so much fun it Becca was so was much like, fun <laughs> Becca was like Elle Woods meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer um that's a really apt description of yeah Becca. <laughs> yeah and and so her playlist is very funny because it plays like like the nice popular girl intro music of every 90s movie absolutely it does. perfect day is on there 
I think it might be. Is one it of the really? First ones. It is. Yeah. That's Perfect awesome. day is on there. Uh, like a bunch of like cheerleading songs are on there. Um, it's it's just very fun to be able to be like okay, like and Becca's playlist was what songs she would listen to. So I did all modern like songs she would listen to, things she would relate to, where Demi's were oh things that she would sing, and then I the Dragon Age character I just made was like oh this is all very like character specific like aesthetic so it had a lot more instrumentals in it uh and i just think character playlists are great and they help a lot and i always send them to anybody i commission art from because i'm like here you go that's actually sending them to people was actually a huge issue in yearbook club for me specifically because when we did yearbook club we talked about doing uh playlists like you were saying that our characters would listen to Mm -hmm. and uh, the character I played in uh, in yearbook club, Terry Hobbs, he was this like mm-hmm. flannel wearing pansexual emo, you know, just this absolutely mess of a human being. And one of the things we talked about was he was a warlock who got his powers from like uh, song lyrics. Mm-hmm. And because of that, when he changed patrons halfway through the campaign from Taylor Swift to uh, another very fun pop punk band, uh, because, you know, it's the refle- art reflects life. Um, I actually couldn't share the playlist with a lot of the other players because it would have spoiled who his new patron was. Who he was, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed uh I really enjoyed how we all flavored characters in that modern in that modern aesthetic, like modern setting. I think that that even just tells you like how much setting changes everything. Oh, a hundred percent. Like how you flavor magic, how you do everything. The modern aesthetic, I think, informed so many of our characters down to like you had this very much like stereotypical like party popular girl Mm -hmm. i had like the loner emo and then we had some other really cool characters in there like uh our our friend matt uh captain crail uh Mm -hmm. played a chess master a chess uh, champion yeah a chess champion which isn't something you see in like a normal uh ttrpg game of like D &D. but it was super fun we had franken frittatas we had poppy we had so many cool like characters in there that i really enjoyed yeah, I think that I think that it was very fun to play in a modern setting as well, because when you have fantasy setting after fantasy setting, you get kind of like, OK, like, how do I make this character different? How do I flavor this? And it was really fun to go into an adventure that's like these were normal kids and now they have magic and they don't know what to do with it. And it also allows more. It allows very different flavor to the existing classes. Like, for instance, like you being like, I'm a warlock, but obviously like we don't know that there's just like a devil didn't show up at my door, like with a t- contract. What, how do I flavor this? And like, um, uh, I remember Rook being like, Oh, like he was a strategy kind of character. Uh, he was a, was he a mastermind rogue and a cleric? He, he was, yeah, he was a multi-class mastermind rogue. I don't remember what his subclass of cleric was, but I remember just like, I loved Matt did this really cool thing where he would like do strategy moves on like, uh, like, a chess a board chess like a board, phantom yeah. chess board was very cool i got to flavor a blood hunter a, a blood hunter who doesn't know how blood hunting works uh to this cheerleader who's like oh my gosh am i dying like i <laughs> I, I get hurt every time i also and the entire that was like a terminal entire, illness the whole yeah, campaign the entire time and also becca was very fun because becca Becca's character inspiration literally went from how fun would it be to have a party girl? And I took, I took, um, I was like, oh, a cheerleader blunt hunter, ha ha ha. And then I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I remembered uh, Talos and Jaffe in Critical Role with Molly Mock being like, can I take alcohol out of my system? And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I picked um, I picked the subclass that I did for Becca literally so I could have greater restoration. So yep. I could, like, mechanically be able to do that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, party girl who can take her own hangover away. First of all, if you if Talos and Jaffe is at any point included in your character inspiration, it's immediately a win. That right? absolutely, like, just king of aesthetic. So good. Um, but yeah, I, I think that we talk about like all of these different little things you can pull from because like even just mm-hmm. recapping what we've talked about thus far, we've pulled from physical real world objects, from mm-hmm. small bits of lore, from the setting, uh, from characters like histories that they're going through currently all of these little bits of flavor and uh can change the aesthetic so much of your character and i feel like there's so much more you can build on than like i am playing orphan rogue with yeah black cloak well so if i can brag on another dm 
Please do, please do. Which was our which was our DM for Yearbook Club? Oh Community DM. I'm playing, community. I'm playing. I played a an NPC that was important to lore for his world in his uh in his Sunday campaign uh, int save, and then he has made a long shot um, pre recorded thing that I'm doing with that character in Mister Vondria. Um, I'm playing with Button and Adam, and we're doing this wonderful thing where like the guest characters came back, and we got to do that, and so um, and uh. And listen, I say this all the time. I really just need to make shirts. I'm a whore for lore. If you <laughs> give me like I I I remember Crail at one point called it like Parker's like th- th- like thinks about what the DM wants. But I don't know if it's what the DM wants. But if you give me lore, I will use it. I love lore. It is literally my favorite thing. And so I love getting to play like play my characters into a lore bit or like have lore like very heavily influence like who they are and what they do. Um, and so this character in Istravandria, like I have even flavored her magic based around like she is from the Underdark. And okay. so even though she is not um, currently there and even though she um, she like works for the Magus Arcanum now, she's a divination wizard. I love her very dearly. Um but like Communa's done these wonderful things where like she's had visions before that gave her insight into things. She can like do different things. But I have even flavored her magic to still be reminiscent of where she learned magic first, which was the Underdark. So despite not being part of Lolth's like deal and and being very against it, one of my favorite things that I've done so far is she's a divination wizard with portents. Okay. And I, every time I use a portent, what she does is she can see like possible timelines stretching out in front of her like a constant spider web and she just cuts them i've also used it where like when she uses teleport Mm -hmm. a teleportation circle appears at the bottom of their feet in a spider web like she she like very much like has that aesthetic still yeah um and like i have her like her arcane focus is a ring that's very important to her backstory like gosh if a dm loves you and trusts you enough to give you lore put it in your character just do it it's so good it's so nice it's, it's so easy rewarding. flavor that's being put on the table for you and if you leave it there you're just wasting good flavor you're wasting, you're wasting it. it it's it's i just listen if a dm trusts you and loves you enough to give you access to first of all their table but second of all if they've made a world that you get to play in uh eat that lore up i'm just Use saying that world Use because it. like there's so many unique aesthetics because I, I talk a lot about like different dungeon masters here on the show and our different styles mm-hmm. and things like that because i've had previous guests that are very much like the power building type and care about mechanics yeah. i've got more like narrative type dms and things like that mm-hmm. every single one of those dms puts their own spin on their world because that's how we, we kind of get fun out of the game yeah and players like you who go in and go i'm gonna latch on to this piece of lore is so rewarding as a dungeon master. It's I have so... been told that it's one of my one of my top achievements is is having people be like, "Thank you for that." Can I give you an example of something that I was just actually talking to a player about yesterday? This is literally sure. a conversation I just had. So I've got a friend of mine. Uh, she's only played I think two or three D and D games ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very blessed to have gotten her as a brand new player, which is uh-huh. my, I love new players. They're the best. Yeah. They have the best ideas, and uh, she's doing her first campaign where I am not the dungeon master. She's talking to uh, her new dungeon master mm-hmm. and her new dungeon master has built a world where everything is based off of like gemstones. Everything is like there's yeah. house Ruby and house Emerald and they control these things. and They do different magics and things That's like that. That's cool. So she wanted to make a character that does not like the house that she comes from. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we went into the fighter and we took the rune knight fighter and we replaced all of the runes with gemstones. So yeah. when she rocks up to her family Instead of being adorned in rubies from House Ruby, she's got like bits of sapphire as like the cloud rune and bits of emerald as the hill rune. That's really Uh, cool. And it's a super simple, like it's literally just changing the name of an ability without rebalancing anything, Mm -hmm. without changing any mechanics, anything like that. And I feel like that's something that people like you do pretty often, which is really cool. Yeah, it's very fun. It's very fun to be able to do that. And it's also... I consider it very, very fun when you get those inspiration like ideas and you're like, oh, and then you get to have a really fun conversation with your DM. It it also is like a very fun like, okay, like this is what I want to do and how does it work? And like, obviously, like I I have DM'd like three times total and I 
I consider myself pretty good on like rules and things. Um, and I love narration and things like that. I am definitely leaning more heavily heavily towards the like forever player. I mm-hmm. love being in people's games. Um, nothing to be ashamed of. No, like I love it. And the funny thing is, I love world building, love aesthetics, love doing all that stuff. I I just get so lost in the sauce. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> And I'm very much a, like a planner, so it's very hard for me to like be like, oh man. But um, I just, I just, oh, you get to have that wonderful conversation with your DM, and like obviously, like I come from a place where I'm like, that DM will like be able to a good DM, in my opinion, will be able to be like, okay, here's what you want to do. That mechanic doesn't work. Here's how we do it. Like honestly, yes. Like like as long as yes. the con- as long as the conversation is like a very like open like open sort of like okay like here's the idea how do we make it work instead of like that just doesn't work then I I consider it very very fun and and I like doing it. I think another one of those reasons those moments are fun is because when you sit down with a dungeon master to discuss these things, it almost feels like scheming to unveil something with the dungeon yeah. master. It's, yeah. it's like you're putting on a show for every other player at the table where it's like Absolutely. you sit down with your DM and go, hey, DM, I really want this aesthetic. Like you talked about with Josh doing mm-hmm. like the ice things and having the mm-hmm. tell in the hair. I guarantee that probably wasn't something that you went up to the other players and went, hey, this is what I'm doing. You let this that story is, no. unfold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It became a I think I think it became a thing that like people were rolling for it to be like, do I notice that? Do I do I notice that happening? <laughs> Those are the like, best rolls. Those and I think that's rolls. super fun. I think it's fun to like let it is kind of like a little secret. It's like, a, oh, like, you know, this and like and I also think like developing aesthetics. I think like having an idea of where your character wants to go even and being like, hey, DM, this is what I'm thinking. Here's where they are now. Here's where I'd like to see them. That's super fun. Yeah. Um, in my home game currently, I have a player uh, who is playing a ranger uh, mm-hmm. who uses the stats of a half-elf, but she actually doesn't know what her origin is uh, and has only recently found out in campaign that she is not actually a half-elf. She is a descendant of a fey court uh, mm-hmm. among humans uh, of the river fey court. And Aww. it's been very fun because uh, she's another one of those ones who doesn't like to use mechanics until her dis- her character has discovered them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we were talking about possibly multiclassing her into like a storm sorcerer or something to really fit with the river court vibe because right now she's mm-hmm. just a Horizon Walker Ranger. Um, and it was as easy as she came up to me. She said, this is what I want to do, but I don't think I'm ready to fully multiclass yet. And I went, okay, here's the magic initiate feat for sorcerer. Take yeah. three water spells. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's that easy. It's super easy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really fun. I just – and seeing like – Having that being like, you don't have to go in knowing exactly what your character wants to do. I honestly, this is one of my things. I don't think you should go into a campaign thinking that far ahead of exactly what your character wants to do. Exactly. I think it ends up limiting you to the experiences that you have in game. You should let the game affect your character accordingly. That's just my thought process on it. I didn't have Demi take healing because it was very fun because like she had... At the time she took healing, she had like two other people, three other people in her party that could heal. And she was like, she was like, I just don't think I can do that. Like, she's like, I just I've never been able to heal. I don't know. And then like I had a beautiful moment where she got to revivify someone because I took it as a lore bard um, after watching a cleric do that. And then after that, she was like, oh, I can I can heal. Right. That's it. I could do that. I could do that. Um, and so, and so, it's very fun because I remember people being like, "Your bard doesn't heal," and I was like, "Okay, first of all, <laughs> first of all, first excuse of all, me, excuse just me. hello." I was like, "But it's just very, very fun." Uh, so she has like, I think she just has mass cure wounds, and <laughs> and revivify. She's really like, a, if all things go to hell, I'm here. <laughs> I love also the way you flavored it. It's almost like Demi's like manifesting healing powers. Like, I got this. I got this. I, I can, can do, do this. this. I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. She's like, I, I just brought somebody back from the dead. I could do this. Uh, so it's very fun. But yeah, she and and that's just a very fun thing to explore as a character because it's like, okay, like, why would she not think that she could do it? And like her internally like comparing herself to like where her friends get their powers. She's like, I also I very much enjoy, and this is obviously like a character aesthetic thing, but like Demi's relationship to gods is very funny because she's like, I know they exist. I just don't want to fuck with them. I just don't. <laughs> she's like, I know they're there. I'll be respectful. Bro, get please, Demi out of my head, please. Please I feel leave, like I please leave me out of your business. Oh, also very fun. Uh, and this is one that like I have done uh, character aesthetic wise that you can absolutely do naming characters. 
I love specifically naming characters based off of different things. Demi, so, and like having it match things or like having them not realize how much it matches things um, until much later. Like, obviously, I don't do that every time, but I think it's very fun. And with Demi, Demi originally had a different name uh, and she became, she actually, her original story became the story that I did for my siren character on TikTok named Marin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like fully rewrote Demi when she came in and I was like, okay, she's at an orphanage. Right. And you're thinking like, Oh, you remember like obvious good example that most people know, like Ford stone, like they gave, like they give you that like generic last, like last name at an orphanage. And I was like, she looks like water waters. They gave her waters. And then I was like, I want a music term because it's a bard. I think it would be very fun. So my, I was like, I'm going to make this funny. And so Demi is a music term for half. Okay. Like half Half. time. And she is half water. That is hilarious. Her name means literally spelling that out for me to get that. That's hilarious. Most people didn't realize it because like, it's not like Demi is not a super like common word for people to know. Um, But like Demi is, is a word that is used quite a bit in music. And I was like, oh, that's pretty. And then I was like, oh my God. I was like, I made a water ganassi whose name is Half Water. That's awesome. And that, but nobody's like, oh, it's a stupid name. Is when it you hear it, yeah, when you hear like, it, it's very if pretty. If you had just like made the last name literally like Half Waters, like that's like, yeah. that's not nearly as clever. Demi uh, Waters, uh, Siren of the Falling Star. Uh, it's very fun. And then Josh made my character, like, th- he just did a huge drop for her backstory that she's still trying to figure out. But, um, literally worked that that bard title that she uses into her story and i have her literally go i was so on brand (laughs) (laughs) and that's actually i think uh like just that line actually is a good way of looking at flavoring and aesthetic is Mm -hmm. the aesthetic of your character is their brand it's like what is it that people recognize about this character for sure and and how are the little like influences that you've pulled together creating that brand yeah. Um, I think you've done an absolutely amazing job with Denny and the other uh, Demi and the other examples you've Thanks. given. Um, I, I, I just, I really, these characters hold a special place in my heart because of someone who like, I think I jumped on to watching conundrum ever, uh, probably I think 20 episodes in is where I started. Cause yeah. that's when we all started like hanging out. Yeah. And I think you guys have all done really good jobs flavoring your character. Uh, somebody I really want to throw like, uh, like a big, like handout for is button i feel like button yes. also does this very very well button button and i do it's very interesting because button and i do a very similar narrative build but also very differently because my like i i i did the like will not discover these things until they are discovered button will go find them like button like <laughs> button will like go into it with a purpose and be like i'm gonna do this and, I'm gonna, and i think it's really cool i think my like our our ways that we do it is differently but we do both do the narrative build and like if you just look at the aesthetic even like go look at sunshine's art go look at like the development that peach had before uh peach like went off on their little thing mm-hmm. like there is so much flavor in every single character. And I think it's really fun to see it reflected um, in the art, in in the art that we've had done. Um, so our very first art was like done by my friend who had just drawn Demi before when she was a character that I was like, I want to put her in a campaign. So when Josh came to me, I was like, I'm doing Salt Marsh. Do you want to be in it? And I was like, I have a bard that was supposed to be on a seas- Yes, I want to do this. Um, and and I was like, oh, like if we're going to stream it, like my friend does art and like has already drawn my character in this style. Um, and so we ended up commissioning my friend Root Beer, Rue, uh, to do that. And then at level 10, we ended up commissioning Luzelia art, which is just, she's an absolutely amazing character designer she is so good having art talks with her is fantastic and like is one of those people that's like give me your pinterest board give me your spotify like it's very good like it's a very fun experience to work with artists to like visualize those characters and you can see the aesthetics so genuinely in the character art and i think that's such a fun thing i feel like your guys's character art i remember being floored when i saw it for the first time and it's so powerful um, I think that there is this like level of detail to it that could not have existed had these characters not had these 
immense amounts of inspiration that went into them. Because mm-hmm. you look at like the art of like Demi, where you see these beautiful like flowing bits of cloth and it's just, it's gorgeous. And it's one of those things that you could have done had you not started with the aesthetic of, oh, here's a random bit of lore that like merits are performers. Yeah. Like that's it. I mean, even even in Demi's art, I remember like there are like very specific. I think it's interesting because you said something a little bit earlier about how like uh, when when you develop those character aesthetics so specifically, there are things that you relate to those characters. And it's kind of like looking at like obvious examples like Critical Role. You think like Orange Cat, Book Holsters, Caleb, Caleb, Arizona Green Tea. Caduceus. Like yep, you think yep. about like Same these specific aesthetic. things and you're like, oh, like that character. And so it's very fun because like I can look at the character art for Conunder Company and go, okay, Demi, Blue Dragon, like water, liar, done. Like, so, like it's very fun to like look at all of our characters and be like, okay, like Zal, the uh Ouroboros, the um Ashi, and then the spear. Like it's very fun to be able to be like, if I saw those three items by themselves, I would still think of that this character, character. Yeah. and it's very very fun to think like oh that like has all happened over this long campaign like it's just intense I, I i honestly feel like from a meta perspective you could almost do that with any character mm-hmm. and i think starting with like if you're gonna be like oh this is a low-level character i'm just getting into it's like finding the yeah. one thing to like yeah. relate to the character and then just like every five to six levels just throwing on another thing something that stayed in Demi's design was I was like oh I think it would be really cool if like she's got all these colors and she's got all these things and the one piece of jewelry she wears because I was like she travels by herself she's not going to have a bunch of crazy jewelry so I made that choice very specifically and I gave her a crystalline like a little pendant necklace that I story-wise had been like oh like this is the first patron gift she'd ever been given so instead of money somebody gave her this necklace and she kept it it is in her level 10 art That's awesome. uh and and it's very specific and it's very fun for me because my friend rue made these wonderful dice that go with her and i ordered them and uh this like this c kind of dice that i use for her um and he made me the necklace he made me the little like, and it's like That's this so little cute. like resin cast sea foam thing. And I wear it in every episode. Uh, every session we film, I, I wear her necklace. And I th- just think it's like very, very fun. Oh, you actually just totally pulled me into another thing that I wanted to talk about. We were yeah. talking about at the beginning of this. Um, with specifically that necklace is mm-hmm. if you pull inspiration from a physical thing, yeah. just having that thing with you when you do the character. Because yeah. I think that's something that is so easy to help you get into a character of just like you talk about these characters you build off of like a set of horns or a set of dice. It's very easy to integrate the dice to just have them present for that yeah. character. And then I am also an absolute dice goblin and I buy dice to match my characters. I remember when we decided that Becca wasn't going to be a one shot character. I was like, hey. I'm just going to buy pink dice. So I bought like hot pink dice to be like this little cheerleader. I was like, I need this because I don't own this. And like I every character that I've ever felt like a strong attachment to, I then go look for dice Um, because I just think it's such a cool thing to have. And like something really fun for me was um, I also wear I don't wear it every time, but I wear it quite a bit. Um, Liz, just a singing geek that like watched the show and then we became friends because uh, we live very close uh, for Christmas last year, sent me these like f- these star earrings that I wear. I don't wear them because the headset usually when we're filming, but these like falling star earrings Aww. for Demi. And then there was this line that Demi said a lot in the beginning of the campaign where she was like, I'm just a bard. I'm just a bard because she kept being like, I'm just doing this because I want to get my family back. I have a job. She's like, I was doing well as a performer. Why am I here? So she kept being like, I'm just a bard. I'm just a bard. I'm just a bard. And spoilers for Conundrum Company, when Morton got taken. um, Uh, That was a hard episode. That was rough. Uh, And Sean absolutely shattered my world because in the sending between Demi and Morton, he goes, never call yourself just a bard again. And, And Liz put it on a bracelet just a bard and I wear it and it's just so crazy to think about like the things that I have like I am looking at no less than seven tiny blue dragons as we film this I've got like seven of them one of one of them is a little itty bitty pseudo dragon that Josh painted me from a birthday uh like it's 
I I just you get attached to these characters and you're like, here are the things that remind me of these characters. I'm going to hyperfixate and buy them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Um, with that, was there anything else you were wanting to discuss before we start bringing this episode to a close? Oh, gosh. I mean, I feel like we've rambled through most of the things that I was thinking <laughs> of. I mean, I we got talking so fast that like we didn't even try and brainstorm a character. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little pe- again, another little peek behind the curtain. We were totally like, oh, do you want to like go in this and like try and brainstorm one in the episode? I think we just got so excited with the character aesthetics because it is really something that's really easy to do. Yeah. And it's very fun to just go, oh, I have this random blue D20 let me make this, you know, character completely off of it. And you and you really like D&D gives you the guidelines for things. And even if you don't homebrew like a even if we're just looking at like player's handbook or like the the standard books where you're not including homebrew and you're not thinking about changing anything like you have such an opportunity in character aesthetics and how you flavor different spells and things and the spells you take that you can make a character completely your own, even if it starts as a rogue orphan with an edgy backstory. Like, it will not end that way. You will, and here's the fun thing, you will think of a character, you will be so set on it, it will hit the table, it will change. Completely changes, yep. It will absolutely change the voice. I tell people this all the time. I didn't know what Demi was going to sound like until I spoke for the first time on stream because i had four different voices that i had been circling through and i was like whatever she comes out sounding like that's what she's gonna sound like and i went oh we're going vaguely british got it i don't know why when i tried that like that method so many of my characters come out southern i have no idea why i hit the table and they're just southern southern is a very like easy accent to slip into it's a very like like relaxed accent very very just like i'll have this like very uh eloquent like wonderful (laughs) gunslinger in mind and then i'll just like hey y'all first thing (laughs) you jump in i'm like what the fuck was that that wasn't what you were supposed to sound like nope but that's what you sound like permanently now it's very fun especially in stream games where you're like is that what i sound like i remember uh this is a little peek behind the curtain i remember last not this past new year's but the one before when we recorded uh we had obviously like we takes two weeks off like the week of Christmas and the week before to give our cast and crew like some Y'all holiday time. Yeah. And and we, you know, we need it too. Like we we're just like, okay. And I remember coming back from that, I was like in a friend's house recording because I was traveling and I was like, I don't remember what Demi sounds like. And I remember Adam <laughs> going, Adam going, like Zal, but better. Because <laughs> we both talked about how they it gets revealed later that they're from the same city. Uh, and so it's very, very fun because like they ended up on different sides of town. So mm-hmm. hers sounds a little more British than his. And it's very fun. That's awesome. Thank you yeah. so much for joining me today, uh, yeah. Parker. It's been so much fun to just like have you on and talk to you. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up today's episode, I'm going to go ahead and throw it back to you to plug anything you want to plug. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Please yeah. plug. Thank you for having me. Again, my name is Parker Bliss. You can find me all over the internet on all the things under Parker Bliss. I'm a cosplayer. I'm a vocalist. I am a TTRPG enthusiast. If you liked uh, the character creation sort of stuff that I talked about, you can find that over on my Patreon quite a bit. I do writings and character playlists and little brainstorms. Uh, And then you can find all my organized TTRPG content over on the Welcome In, where I play Demi Waters every Saturday at 6 p.m. EST. So if you like the sound of that bard, you can check her out live. That's She's me. so freaking awesome. I absolutely love <laughs> Captain Country Demi Company. Waters. Captain Demi Waters. Well, uh, talking about supporting things, uh, this show uh, can be found over on Spotify every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Just search Dice Changers up. But if you want to hear it a little bit early or have any questions for the cast who may or may not be returning whenever they have time, uh, go ahead and head to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Obsidian Olive is where you can find all of our episodes a day early. Uh, or you can just follow us on our socials at Dice Changers pretty much everywhere on the Instagram, the Twitter, and the TikTok where we post little clips of the show. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Shout out to my good friend Matt, also known as Dankles, for our uh, intro and outro music. We'll be seeing you next time. Bye! Bye.